today we'll, God willing, we'll wrap up uh, the book of Malachi. So we are trying to condense uh, the four chapters or the six sessions that we did uh, today. So we'll just take a look at some a few topics and see how the Lord leads. So we'll take a look at the context and the role of prophet uh, Malachi. And we talked about the burden of God. So we'll see five burdens of God that we see uh, in the book of Malachi. And what is the character of God that we see uh, in this book? And we can close with your reflection or any questions that you have or how the Lord has touched you through this book or how the Lord has spoken to you. Uh, through the four chapters that we have done. Okay, so in terms of the context, uh, we see that uh, Malachi means uh, my messenger. And this is a message that is given to the Israelites uh, around 450 to 400 BC. And this was the time uh, after the Israelites had come back uh, from exile and the temple has also been rebuilt. So many of the burden that the Lord has uh, is in connection with the temple. So we know that the temple was uh, rebuilt. When we think of Malachi as a prophet of God, uh, we see that uh, he's a messenger of God. And any messenger of God uh, has the responsibility of sharing the complete truth uh, without editing what the Lord says or without uh, interpreting what God says. Uh, you're simply a vessel to communicate uh, what God is telling you uh, to the people. And in the book of Malachi, we see that the prophet uh, takes on the role of pointing the failures of Israelites in obeying the laws, uh, which could be uh, moral failures, or it could be ceremonial failures, or civic failures uh, that they were taught uh, through the law of Moses. So Malachi was uh, bringing them back uh, to some of the mistakes that they had made uh, in obeying the law. And that is the role that the prophet uh, often plays uh, as we read the scriptures, they often uh, come back to the people and remind them of the mistakes that they have made. And at the same time, as a prophet, they also have to show a path of reconciliation uh, with God that would lead to restoration. And we also see that Malachi, he wants, God, wants uh, people uh, of God's uh, severe justice uh, on the wicked. And as a prophet, uh, he should also be able to answer questions or explain God's character and plans, as we see in the book of Malachi. And at the end, uh, Malachi wants to restore uh, the, the glory that was lost, uh, both of the people and also the temple. And the book of Malachi, uh, it begins uh, with the burden of God, uh, as we read in Malachi 1.1. Uh, the burden of the word of the Lord uh, to Israel. So that is the main theme uh, that God is trying to communicate uh, through the prophet uh, to the people of Israel. And we'll take a look at five of them, uh, which is uh, failing to understand uh, God's love for Israel. And secondly, the blemished uh, sacrifices uh, that were offered at the altar. And thirdly, the immoral and the corrupt uh, lifestyle of the priests. And fourthly, uh, disobedience uh, in tithing. And fifthly, uh, we see that the people of Israel, uh, they were also murmuring uh, about the injustice of God. So we'll start with the first one, which is uh, failing to understand God's love, uh, which we see in chapter 1, verses uh, 2 to 5. And we see the pattern uh, in the book of Malachi. Uh, it takes a three-step process. 
where there is a statement uh, made by God and the people object uh, to the statement and God responds or God explains or clarifies his statement. So the first one, which is God's burden, when people are uh, unable to understand God's love, uh, he says in one, two, that I have loved you. And people ask the question, uh, wherein have you loved us? And God responds by using the illustration uh, of Jacob and Esau, and he brings to their attention that uh, he loved uh, Jacob and he hated Esau, uh, even though Esau was the first one and Jacob was a deceiver. Uh, it is Jacob who was chosen by God and it is Jacob who was loved by God. And we know that God chose uh, Jacob uh, before his birth. So God's choice uh, was not based on Jacob's works or what he did. Uh, it was a choice that was made by God uh, even before he was born. So that always uh, leads to a controversy. Uh, it always leads to questions. Uh, how can God make a choice uh, even before we are born? Or how can God decide our destiny uh, even before we are born? But God being God, uh, he has the right uh, to decide. Uh, he has the right to make the choices that he makes. Uh, we may not uh, fully understand or we may not <clears throat> fully agree uh, with, uh, with God's uh, decisions, but uh, we must simply uh, submit uh, to God's ways uh, without asking questions uh, because we believe that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and he will always do what is right. Uh, he will always do uh, what is uh, just. Often ask uh, whether God's love uh, is inclusive or exclusive. So when we look at uh, Jacob and Esau, we may say that uh, it is exclusive because Esau was rejected, uh, whereas Jacob was chosen. And also in John 15, 16, it says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, uh, in the sense that God takes the initiative and he makes the call uh, even as we see with the people of Israel, uh, even though there were many communities uh, around that during that time, uh, but God chose uh, the nation of Israel as his chosen generation. So in that sense, uh, it was a special uh, selection. Uh, it was an exclusive uh, selection. But at the same time, the scripture also reminds us that God's love is uh, inclusive. Uh, it includes uh, everyone as we read in Romans uh, 10, 13, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it is not restricted to just the chosen generation or it is not restricted to just a small group, but anyone who calls on the name of the Lord uh, shall be saved. And Paul reminds us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 3 and 4, that it is uh, God's desire that all should be saved. So in that sense, uh, God is not exclusive, uh, even though at times uh, we may get the impression that some people are uh, predestined or some people have been already chosen by God. But uh, God's desire is that everyone should be saved and everyone uh, has the free will uh, to make that choice, uh, to call on the name of the Lord, to confess their sins and to enter into a relationship with the Lord. So even though the Jewish people were the chosen generation, 
uh, we see that in the New Testament, the same privileges have been extended uh, to the Gentiles. So that is the first burden. And the second one that we see uh, again in chapter one uh, is offering uh, blemished uh, sacrifices uh, that we read in chapter one, verses uh, six uh, through 14. So here again, we see uh, a statement is made by God in 1.6 that priests have despised my name. Uh, they have offered uh, polluted bread and the priests object by saying, wherein have we despised thy name? Uh, wherein have we polluted thee? And oftentimes that is the uh, reaction that we have when God points out uh, the mistakes uh, that we are making. Oftentimes we also get defensive and have the same question that we haven't really done anything wrong or we claim uh, ignorance uh, of the mistakes that we have made. And God responds by calling attention to the quality of their sacrifices. So what they're offering at the altar uh, are not uh, good quality sacrifices. Uh, they are offering the blind and the lame and the sick, or they're offering the second best, or they're offering the leftovers to God and keeping the good things uh, for themselves. And that is something that they are they were told not to do in the laws. So here, uh, Prophet Malachi is reminding them of the mistakes that they are making in not honoring the law. Uh, for example, in Deuteronomy 15, uh, 21, it says, uh, if there be any blemish uh, therein, as if it be lame or blind or have any ill blemish, uh, you shall not sacrifice it unto the Lord your God. So the point is we cannot please God uh, with blemished uh, sacrifices. And when we are offering uh, blemished uh, sacrifices, it shows uh, disobedience uh, to laws, and it also shows a uh, lack of reverence uh, for God. And Prophet Malachi says, uh, it is better not to sacrifice uh, than to carry on with uh, vain uh, traditions uh, in a spirit of hypocrisy. So if you are simply doing things uh, for the sake of doing uh, without uh, any understanding or without any respect or reverence for God, then Prophet Malachi is reminding us that it is hypocrisy uh, which has no value uh, in the eyes of God. And we know that even in the New Testament, uh, Lord Jesus Christ uh, often reminds us uh, that we should not have a spirit of hypocrisy, but anything that we do should be done with the right motive, uh, with the right uh, understanding. So obviously today, uh, we don't need uh, human priests and we don't need uh, animal sacrifices. Uh, Christ uh, became the perfect uh, sacrifice uh, at the cross, and he is also the high priest who intercedes for us, uh, seated uh, at the right hand of the Father. And what the Lord expects from us uh, in terms of sacrifice, uh, he expects us to offer our first and best uh, to the Lord in everything that we have. So no matter what we have, uh, the best uh, should go to the Lord. And that is where the concept of tithing also comes, where we offer uh, the first uh, part of the produce or the first part of the increase uh, to the Lord. And Romans uh, 12.1 reminds us that we need to offer ourselves uh, as a living uh, sacrifice uh, in response to God's love. 
So that is the expectation of God uh, in terms of what he expects from us in response uh, to his sacrifice on the cross. And going to the third one, uh, which is God's burden uh, in terms of the corrupt and immoral priests. And we read about that in uh, chapter 2, 1 through 9, and also 11 through 16. So in chapter 2, we saw many failures uh, of the corrupt priests. Uh, they did not listen or they did not hear uh, God's voice or listen to him carefully. And they were also guilty of leading others astray and causing them to stumble. Uh, they corrupted the covenant of Levites. And also as a judge, uh, they were biased in applying the laws. And, and the lifestyle that they led uh, did not uh, glorify God. And because of their uh, corrupt behavior and corrupt uh, lifestyle, uh, we saw that uh, their blessings uh, were not accepted or the sacrifices that they brought uh, to the altar, uh, they were not accepted and they were turned to curse. And their seed uh, was corrupted, which means uh, the curse uh, continued on uh, to the next uh, generation. And we also read the dung was thrown on their faces as a disrespect. And eventually the priests uh, were disposed of with the dung or they lost their positions uh, of respect and also honor. And there are examples in the Old Testament uh, where the priests uh, lost their respect and honor, uh, including Eli that we read about uh, in the Samuel's example. And at the same time, we are reminded about uh, godly priests uh, of Levites again in chapter 2. And we see that in contrast, uh, the godly priests, uh, they have the fear of God and there is truth uh, in their mouth and there is no iniquity in their lips. So what they are speaking uh, is the complete truth uh, that God has given them. And they walk uh, in peace and equity and their focus of their message is to turn people away from sin rather than leading them into sin or leading them into a life of compromise. And they also possessed uh, knowledge of the word or knowledge of the laws. And because of that, uh, people came to them for counsel. Uh, people came to them for wisdom. So that is the expectation or that was the standard for the priests. But in the book of Malachi, we see that priests have drifted away uh, from their high calling. And because of that, uh, they were cursed rather than being blessed, and they lost their honor. And we also saw that the priests were immoral. Uh, they were divorcing their wives uh, in order to marry uh, pagan women that we read about in verses 11 through 16. And in that sense, they were committing a double sin in the sense uh, initially they are divorcing, which was against the law. And they were also being unequally yoked. Uh, which was also against what the Lord had uh, told them. And we talked about uh, marriage, uh, remarriage, and divorce uh, based on the uh, discussion that we see in chapter 2, uh, the second part. So uh, some of the things that we talked about, that we need to marry uh, like-minded believers uh, to avoid compromises uh, in our spiritual life, and to avoid any hindrances uh, to fulfilling God's calling. And secondly, we said that we must cleave, uh, leave uh, 
leave our parents or we must start a new life uh, with our spouse. Uh, in that sense, we cleave to the spouse and leave the old ways or the old lives uh, so to start a new chapter and become one. And leaving does not mean that we abandon our parents, but leaving in the sense that we should have the understanding that we are in a different uh, season of life and it should have different uh, aspirations. Uh, it should have different goals and different expectations. And we also saw that husband and wife are equal, uh, but they have uh, unique roles. And so God has a divine order where both are created equal, but with different roles and responsibilities. And when we cross uh, that line, uh, oftentimes we see conflicts, oftentimes we see challenges uh, in marriages. When the wife takes on the role of husband or the husband takes on the role of wife, or if there is no understanding on what the unique roles are. And we also said that <clears throat> there should be uh, mutual love and respect uh, among the spouse. Uh, even so, we read that in the book of Ephesians, Paul reminds us that husbands should love their wives and the wife should respect their husbands. And at the same time, there should be mutual love and respect uh, between the two. Then we need to make Christ uh, should be central uh, to the married life. So Christ should be the third part of our marriage or the third person in our marriage who keeps that marriage together and who keeps the focus uh, in that marriage. And we also read uh, in the book of Malachi, uh, chapter two and verse uh, 14, that Christ himself uh, is a witness uh, to the marriage covenant. So when we are entering uh, into the marriage, uh, we might be getting married in a church or in a beach, wherever it is. Uh, the Christ uh, is a witness uh, to the marriage covenant. So we need to take that uh, covenant uh, seriously because when we are getting married and we are taking the oath, uh, Christ himself is present uh, to see that marriage happen. And we also saw that any intimate relationship uh, outside of marriage uh, would be considered sin as a fornication or adultery. And we also saw that marriage uh, is a lifetime uh, commitment. Uh, even if you are married to an unbeliever, once we are married, the expectation is that we will remain uh, married. So the only exceptions that we see in the scripture is that if the spouse dies, then we are free to marry again. If there is adultery, then uh, again, we have the freedom to marry although that may not be the first and the best option. Or if you are married to an unbeliever and they leave, then you are free to marry again. And we talked about physical abuse where we need to exercise wisdom, uh, whether we should continue in that relationship or we should stay separate and so on. And Book of Malachi reminds us uh, what is God's purpose uh, for marriage. And God desires a godly seed uh, from marriage. We also saw that God's desire for a marriage is that it should reflect uh, the relationship that Christ has uh, with the church, where Christ uh, is the bridegroom and church is the bride. And many times uh, marriages are in trouble. We see many marriages uh, breaking up. We see many conflicts uh, in marriages. Uh, but the scripture is very clear that we should not walk away. Uh, just because there is some challenge, just because there is some problem. Uh, we need to go back to God. Uh, we need to consult uh, with godly couples or godly people. 
uh, with the goal to reconcile and get back in track so that we can continue the relationship because marriage uh, is a lifetime commitment and Christ himself uh, is a witness uh, to our marriage. And when we honor God uh, in our marriage, uh, we're also being a good uh, testimony and we're also honoring Christ. And fourthly, uh, we also saw uh, God's burden uh, in the context of disobedience uh, in tithing. And here again, the broader context uh, was uh, obedience and tithing was just uh, used as an example uh, to illustrate uh, how the people of God were disobedient uh, to God's commandments. Here again, we see that a statement is made by God in Malachi 3, 8, uh, you have robbed me and the people object by saying, wherein have we robbed thee? And God responds by saying, in tithes and offering. In chapter 3, we saw that uh, there is a challenge uh, that is given. So God challenges them to test him on tithing. And if they obey, uh, he will respond by blessing them beyond imagination. So again, tithing is just uh, an example. So when, when we obey God, uh, it always leads to blessing in our life. And oftentimes those blessings are beyond our expectations, uh, beyond our imagination. So in this case, uh, we are told uh, in Malachi 3 that when they are obedient in tithing, the heavens will open and they will be blessed with abundance. So that can be seen as a spiritual blessing. When we obey God, uh, the heavens will open and we would enjoy a communion with God, we will enjoy intimacy with God, uh, and we will experience uh, the fullness of the spiritual blessings. And secondly, they are told that their harvest uh, will be protected. So that can be seen as material blessings. So we see that when we are obedient to God, uh, God's favor is also on our life. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, we will be rich, but we know that God will take care of our needs and he may also choose uh, to bless us uh, materially. And thirdly, we see that when they obey God in tithing, uh, they will be acknowledged uh, as a blessed nation by other no nations. So this can be seen as honor that we would enjoy in this world. Uh, we will be the heads and not the tail. So in that sense, uh, God will honor us uh, publicly uh, when we honor him. So that is what the Bible says. When we confess him before men, uh, he will confess us before our Heavenly Father. And that is where our honor comes from. And that is where our promotion comes from, right? So it's important that we honor God so that we are also honored. And when we continually disobey, uh, whether it's in tithing or other areas, uh, it will lead to loss of blessings or in case of Israelites, uh, it will lead to curse of God as shown in the laws. And in the New Testament, it also reminds us that when we uh, continually disobey or live a lifestyle of sin, uh, we will also lose uh, the ministry that God wants to give us because uh, we can no longer be uh, vessels uh, that can be used by God. So we will not be uh, profitable vessels that can be used uh, in building God's kingdom. Okay, and uh, Malachi chapter 3, we also saw uh, corrupt uh, followers. 
or people who are following God uh, with a profit motive. So they were doing all the right things, uh, but with the wrong motive, or they had profit as a motive. So God is not pleased uh, with such uh, followers. So even today, uh, God doesn't uh, honor ministry uh, that is done uh, with a monetary motive or self-glorification uh, motive. So we may see the ministry expand. Uh, we may see the ministry uh, uh, superficially. It may seem that everything is going right, but God's blessing will not be there and God's honor will not be there uh, if you are doing it uh, with the wrong motive. And a time will come when God will judge all of that. In chapter 3, 16 and 17, we saw <clears throat> uh, what is the mark of true followers. So that is uh, contrasted uh, with the corrupt uh, followers that we saw who serve God with the wrong motive. But the true followers, uh, they follow God uh, because they fear the Lord uh, and they respect God. And such a fear uh, leads to a life of obedience. Uh, it leads to a life of fellowship uh, with others. And we also see that uh, since uh, they fear the Lord, uh, God's favor is on their lives. Uh, God uh, hears them. God honors them. Uh, God considers them uh, as his precious jewel or precious uh, possession. And we also see that God keeps a book uh, of remembrance. Uh, keeping track of all the good things uh, that they are doing. And we also saw briefly about the Lamb's uh, Book of Life, which we see in the Book of Revelation and other places. Uh, so that is the Book of Life uh, for the redeemed uh, saints. And those who are not written uh, in the Book of Life, uh, they would be condemned uh, for all of eternity. So we need to be sure uh, that our names are written in the Book of Life by making a confession of our sins and having a relationship uh, with Lord Jesus Christ. And we also need to ask ourselves, uh, if the Lord were to look at our life, uh, what would he be writing? Uh, what are some good things that we are doing, which would be recorded in the book of remembrance? And finally, uh, we saw God's burden uh, in terms of the murmuring uh, that was taking place. Uh, about uh, God's uh, injustice. And we see that in 2.17 and also in chapter 3, 1 through 6, and also in different parts of chapter 4. So again, we see the question in 2.17, uh, where a statement is made by God, uh, ye have wearied the Lord, and people object by asking, wherein have we wearied him? And God responds uh, to their question, uh, of murmuring by uh, expanding on the second coming of the Lord, uh, which would be the final justice uh, for the wicked people. So the question that they ask in 2.17 and also in chapter 4 is, uh, why are the righteous uh, suffering while the wicked are flourishing in this world? And a lot of Christians, a lot of believers uh, also have the same question. Uh, even though they may not say it uh, vocally, uh, it could be in their heart when they see their neighbors uh, who are wicked. Uh, they might be flourishing and uh, doing well in this world, whereas uh, they may not be doing as well, or they might be facing challenges and suffering in this life. And Malachi reminds us uh, of the two messengers 
uh, that point uh, to the justice of God. Uh, he introduces us to John the Baptist, uh, whose purpose was to point people to Christ and also Lord Jesus Christ uh, as Savior uh, who came to save, uh, save us from the penalty of sins. And we also read uh, through Malachi and other places uh, that the justice of God can only be understood uh, when we take an eternal perspective or the justice of God can be only understood uh, when we understand uh, the teachings of God's word as we read it from Genesis to Revelation uh, to see how God's plan works. And we must also believe uh, that God is just. And when we don't have that belief or when we don't have faith uh, that God is just, then we would continue to be discontent. Uh, we would be miserable. Uh, we would be jealous of when others are doing well. Uh, we will be covetous of what others have. We would be angry and we would be murmuring Christians, uh, which is what we read uh, in the book of Malachi, where people are continuously uh, asking that question. Uh, why are the wicked doing well, whereas the righteous are suffering? So the only way that can be answered is when we look at the final uh, destination of the wicked and the righteous, uh, even as we are reminded from Psalm uh, 73, uh, which also looks at the same question and comes to the same conclusion that uh, when we take an eternal perspective and when we look at the eternal uh, destination uh, of the wicked, then we understand that God is just and uh, a day will come when everything would be set right. And we often have that question, uh, justice of God, why it is being delayed. Uh, so we know that God is uh, patient and he is delaying the final justice and wrath uh, so that more may repent. But a day will come uh, when justice uh, will be given. Uh, we see the first justice, we can say, when rapture takes place. Uh, only the believers are taken away at rapture. There is again justice uh, during great tribulation because the believers are taken away and the unbelievers will go through that period of great uh, tribulation and great suffering. But some people would be saved uh, during the great uh, tribulation and the final justice will take place uh, at the second coming when Lord Jesus Christ will return again and the wicked would be punished and the righteous uh, would continue to enjoy the millennium or thousand year rule and they will continue to spend eternity with God uh, in new heavens and new earth and everything would be. So, uh, so the book of Malachi talks about five burdens of God uh, when we look at it uh, that way. So we need to ask ourselves uh, if God were to look uh, at our life, uh, what would be his burden or what would be his grief or what would be his pain uh, when he looks uh, at our life? So that's a question for us that we should look at our own lives, examine our own lives. And it's easy to judge uh, others. Uh, it's easy to judge the shortcomings of Israelites, but we need to look at our own lives and see what are our shortcomings. Are we also compromising uh, in different areas of our life or are we living up to God's expectations? And as we go through this book of Malachi, we are introduced to uh, the character of God. We see that God is love, uh, God is holy, 
and God is just since he is holy uh, he expects a holy sacrifice and we also saw that God is just and God is uh, faithful uh, to his covenant uh, as we read uh, in Malachi 3 6 for I am the Lord I change not so God is always faithful to the covenant that he has with us and God uh, never changes sorry that was Malachi 3 6 which is uh, I the Lord change not so so that brings us to the end of uh, Malachi and it also brings us to the end of Old Testament and from that point uh, to the New Testament we know that there is a 400 uh, year of silence and that silence is broken by John the Baptist and after that by Lord Jesus Christ himself who continues the revelation uh, of his the purpose of his coming and the purpose of man so god willing uh, we'll continue with our bible study on january 10th and we've gone through different books uh, but we also need to make sure that we are also reading on our own and also applying the truths uh, in our own life so that it would be a blessing for us so we have gone through the book of acts uh, philemon colossians ephesians and we also went through sermon on the mount and the book of daniel and james and we looked at few topics under disciplining in love and we went through first and second thessalonians a book of deuteronomy and now malachi and as the lord leads uh, we'll take up our next book uh, in january okay so it's important that we hear god's word uh, but more than that uh, it's important that we study on our own uh, we meditate on the scriptures and try to understand uh, with the help of the holy spirit then we try to apply it to our own lives and in the decisions that we make uh, it's always uh, important that we use the scriptures as a guide and not our emotions or not what our friends are saying and we also need to teach the truth uh, to others as we were reminded in Deuteronomy 6 6 and finally the life that we are living uh, should testify that God's word is powerful that it is able to change lives uh, through the words we speak and also through the lifestyle that we live and when that happens we know that the word of God is working in our life and we are being changed day by day